Welcome to the Casablanca podcast. I am the host today, Brendan, back again here with O. After the Chelsea demolition over two legs, and we have our semifinal opponent in Manchester City as they tie Bayern 1 1. How are we doing today? We're doing very good. Um, it was it wasn't a surprise to beat Chelsea. Honestly, they've been pretty shitty. So I don't know. It's just it feels really good to be in the semis again. Thirteen times for the thirteenth time in like in like fifteen years, I think, which is crazy to me. Well, like eleven times in thirteen years, something like that. Um. Yeah, it feels pretty good. Especially considering the fact before Mourinho, we couldn't get out of the round of 16. Yeah, that was a very dark time. Like, dude, that, that's why I tell people that they need to be more grateful, right? Um, there was a period where we went 30 years without a single UCL. Um, we... This is starting like in, in the seventies, and then we won it um, against Juventus in nineteen seventy nine or eighty nine. Um, with his goal. I thought that was in the nineties. It was in the nineties. You said, said you said seventy nine. I think you meant ninety seven. I always mix. I always, I always do that. I always mix numbers up. But yeah. You're good. Seventy nine. I think it was ninety eight. I think it was ninety. I think it was ninety seven, ninety eight. I think was the year. Don't quote me on that, but I think that was the year. Yeah, yeah when we beat on. when we beat Juventus with Miatovic's yeah. goal, they, Juventus fans. Yeah, they still cry about it to this to this day because they think it's offside, which it wasn't. Um, but yeah, I mean that 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 game that match um it was special and then we went um we won the UCL in the year 2000 and then and then 02 and then we we went 10 years without winning it we went 12 years without winning it and then we won um we won it four times in in like five years um so yeah, that that's what I always tell the fans and people who complain too much is that they really need to be grateful because any time now we could be um, in a period where we just we don't win the UCL ever. We just we dominate the UCL without making any signings. Um, where you know teams like Manchester City who spend billions, and that's not even not even that's not even. An exaggeration. They do spend millions, and you know they don't. They they've never won it. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's it just it shows how special this team is, and how how we're always connected to this um to this tournament. Yeah, and you know, it's just it's really been a very fruitful time. Something that. You know, I, I don't really think this gets replicated by anyone. And, you know, part of you could say part of the problem is that the way that world football is right now, you know, there's not there's kind of there's a bigger separation right now than there used to be. 
And, you know, maybe that's part of the reason why we make it so far so often. But also, you know, I mean, I have friends that are EPL fans that will talk about how, oh, Real Madrid have an automatic bid because La Liga's crap. And I'm just like, I mean, that's not always guaranteed. Like, it's not guaranteed. Like, it's not. Like, people act like it's it's an automatic bid to get top four for us. It's an automatic to get into the round of 16 for us. And, like, it is, but it is because of how consistent we are, not because of not because of how easy it is. You know, if it was so easy, everybody would be doing it. If it was so easy, you know, Sevilla and Atletico would make Champions League every year. And they don't. So... And Barcelona would be doing much better in Champions League as well. I mean, all you, all you got to do is just look at PSG. They play in a league that's, well, they dominate the league pretty much every year. And they've only made it to the Champions League final once in their entire history. Um, and it was the COVID year where they only had to play one game, one-off games. Yeah, honestly, that's the most Mickey Mouse trophy OUCL uh, year that I've experienced in my entire life, honestly. Um, I know Bayern would have probably won the league, won the uh, the UCL that year uh, anyway, but it's still, I don't know. I mean, when you think of the Champions League, uh, or, or the one of the best um, Champions League runs um, in the last 10 years or so, you just, you don't, that year doesn't really come to mind. That final, yeah. it was just, it was so meh. It was, they, they didn't even play with fans. It was an empty stadium, which is, honestly, it's just, it's just lame. Yeah, and, you know, I don't really have anything else to say about it, so you just want to, we can move on to the game. Um, so, you know, Rodrigo gets two. Fede gets man of the match. I was kind of surprised when I saw he got man of the match, um, even though he played fantastic. But, you know, let's just start with Rodrigo. I mean, uh, he really built on the caddies performance, right? You know, like we, he really didn't do, like he did so much in the caddies performance and then didn't score. And then he really used that as like a jumping point and just has been a fantastic player for some time. And, you know, his his problem's always been his inconsistencies. And if he can become a consistent player, you know, a lot of people talked about Rodrigo, Rodrigo needs to take that Vinicius step. Rodrigo needs to take the Vinicius step. And guess what? He did this year. But we got lucky and someone did in Kamavinga. Um, but we're not talking about Kamavinga. We're talking about Rodrigo. You know, if he can be that third attacker and consistently, you know, provide Vinicius and Benzema help, I mean this forward line is going to be quite unstoppable for some time. I mean, I understand that Rodrigo hasn't been the most consistent player, but honestly, like, looking at players like Danny Ceballos, for example, or, or a player like Kamavinga, it just, starting games, makes a big difference. Not just one game, not just two games, but, you know, starting, you know, maybe like five games in a row. It just, well, first of all, it gives you a massive confidence boost, which every single player needs. Like, 
there was a time where, not not even long ago, it was like two months ago, Carlo Ancelotti said Kamavinga is better off the bench than when he starts. He put it so bluntly, right? But now, I, I honestly cannot imagine the starting 11 without Kamavinga, whether that's in as a left back or in the midfield, right? Uh-huh. And that happened when Ferland Mendy got injured and we had to play Kamavinga at left back. And he started playing in the, as a left back day in and day out. Every single game. He would mm-hmm. play He would play there. And that run of games, even though he hates that position, even though he's not the best in that position, he's the best in that position at Real Madrid. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, he's no left back. And he does have some issues. But you look at Camavinga and he's, Amazing, right? He's not just—he he, he, he doesn't just play a left back for us. He—he—he he, he also transitions into a a fourth midfield if we're playing a midfield three, um, which really helps when we have Modric and Cruz in the midfield, who are you know are not as young as they used to be, not as quick as they used to be. So when you have Fede and you know Tamavinga in the midfield with them. It it really it really helps us, and you can see it. You know, in games against Chelsea and against Barcelona, Kamavinga wasn't your typical left back. He was, yeah, he was play, basically playing left mid. Um, so you could just see just how good he is, and that happened when he he gained confidence when when he played day in and day out and. I think that's the same for Rodrigo. I mean, the problem is when Rodrigo would start, he would start like one game. He would play awful, and then he would be benched the next game, right? Well, maybe the solution for that was that Rodrigo would play awful one game, but he would start the next game. And I would say that's what happened against Cardi. You know, he, he couldn't score against Cardi. He, he did have a pretty good game, but he couldn't score. He missed a lot of chances. And then he played against Chelsea. And he scored a brace. That's a massive, massive confidence boost. And, um, and uh, dude, and it's crazy. Rodrigo is actually one of the best players in the Champions League. He's gonna be our fourth, uh, top, uh, our fourth, uh, top scorer in the uh, in UCL. He's two goals away from achieving that, which is fucking crazy to me. Um, he scored like 15 goals in 19 starts. I mean, that's incredible for me. And uh, he didn't score those goals against some shitty, you know, Hungarian, Russian, uh... Galatasaray. He, he, I mean, that was his first ever game. And Galatasaray are a pretty good game. Yeah, pretty good team as well. I mean, they have history for sure. But, you know, he scored a brace against Manchester City. He scores against Chelsea. Uh, he scores against Chelsea again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's always very... He's a big game player. And um, especially in the Champions League, he's a, he's a different animal. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be really good for us. This could be the start of something something, something big. And, yeah. Well, you know, I, I've probably honestly been the biggest Rodrigo um, critic out there. Oh, yeah. You, you definitely were. I, I can vouch for that. 
And, you know, I've also been, you know, the biggest Vinicius, like, non-critic supporter. So, you know, and it's, ne it's never, the problem with me, my problem with Rodrigo was never really him in itself. It was more so just like, I see him play, and I just don't think he's better than Vinicius, so I don't really have, think he has a spot here, right? Because he's really not a natural right winger. I don't really love him in that 10 role. I don't love him as a 9. I know a lot of people do, but I don't. So it's not like I'm trying, I, you know, it's not like whenever I said anything bad about Rodrigo, it's me hating on him. It's just I don't see how in a system, you know, with Vinicius, how they can coexist, especially if you go grab a 9 like Holland or something, right? Um, and people, not that's neither here nor there, not important. But, you know, Rodrigo was awesome yesterday, uh, phenomenal. You know, when he plays like that, I, I can't critique him. I can't say anything bad about him. I can't even ask for more. When he plays the way he did against Cotties, I can't ask for more. My issue with Rodrigo has always just been the inconsistencies, right? And you bring up uh, Kamavinga. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the diamond that we ran with Isco, with Ronaldo and Benzema and all those kind of guys. And, you know, you might think I'm a little crazy for saying this, but, you know, it's very reminiscent in the opposite way. Like, Isco kind of gave us a way to progress the ball further up the pitch, while Kamavinga gives us a way to progress the ball from further back in the pitch while adding in to our midfield so we can still overload and pe overload the midfield with four midfielders. And, you know, it's it's something that Pep's been doing a lot this year and Pep's been doing a lot in general, um, which is part of the reason he wanted to get rid of Cancelo because Cancelo didn't let him have that defensive stability. But he I don't know if you remember, but he would do it with Walker a lot. He would invert Walker. And, you know, it's very reminiscent of that. And, you know, that's I think that's kind of the new... It's going to be a new tactic that a lot of teams are going to use with outside backs. Is just going to have them tuck in instead of, you know, it was big on the overlaps before, but now, you know, we're kind of getting, at least with this generation, it's something that I was talking about on Twitter with Rocky was just, in general, I think this generation has a lot more, I think a lot of the skill is midfielders right now. I think a lot of the best players in the world, young best players in the world, are midfielders, not a lot of wingers. And the wingers that we do have, you know, there's a big discrepancy between the top and the bottom uh, with the young kids. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, a lot of the young wingers, what kind of wingers are they? They're transition wingers, right? They're not really in possession wingers. You know, you look at Carvadona, he's not really a possession winger. He's someone he won't, you want to hit in transition. Um, you look at Leal, he's another one. You look at Vinicius, he's another one. Um, you look at Mbappe, he's another one who's a transition winger. And I think that of inverting these outside backs kind of allows in possession to, you know, take a lot of emphasis off those wingers and kind of help in overloading and then getting them in the box on, on the end of more balls where they can succeed. Um, and, you know, that's something where Kamavinga could actually be useful because he's not, he's not really a left back. Like, like you said, he's kind of playing a left mid. And, like, honestly, he's kind of playing, like, a left DM, really, when I kind of watch him. You know, like, it's kind of ref reminiscent of, like, in, in build-up, it's like a 3-2-2-3, three, two, two, three, really. You know, because uh, Modric is a little bit more advanced. Fede is a little bit more advanced. And Cruz is kind of there. And sometimes him and Cruz switch. And there's, there's a lot of moving parts going on. And, you know, a lot of people talk about... Um, you know, these tactically fluid teams. And, you know, 
people talk people talk a lot of shit on Carlo and his tactics, but you, you mean to tell me Kamavinga is just doing this shit on his own? Like, no, like this is stuff that Carlo is implementing, and you know it's what's making the team successful. And also, it allows it it honestly gives Rodrigo and Vinicius a lot more freedom, really, um, when we have possession of the ball because Rodrigo can then tuck in, Fede can kind of provide the overlap instead of having Danny Carvajal push up the field. Um, so Rodrigo can move more into that ten roll. And then Vinicius can kind of, you know, Vinicius has always been a touchline winger. And, you know, it kind of allows him and gives him the space that he needs. And it's kind of something that I remember talking about before is that, like, we're overloading Vinicius too much. Like, you know, we have Benzema, Rodrigo, Vini all in tight spaces. And, yeah, that works sometimes, but it doesn't work that often. And I think this kind of gives Vinicius the space that he needs as well. Because Kamavinga can invert so Vinny can make you know be a touchline or Kamavinga can overlap if needed and there's just a lot of moving parts going on and you know anyone that says Carlo's not a good tactician I'm sorry you don't win as many UCLs as him if you're not a good tactician because let's be honest UCLs are really all about making adjustments you know um and you know Carlo does a good job of making those adjustments uh I want to touch on a point that you made about Guardiola using you know Walker and how he uses his full his pullbacks. All you gotta do is look at our first goal against Chelsea in the first leg. Look at Danny Carvajal. He he made a great key pass to Vinicius from the camp position. Right? That was like Carvajal play basic I've seen Carvajal in the midfield a lot in that game and like you said, that's not by that's not by chance, right? This is just this wasn't just a fluke. Um, this is something that this is something the coach needs to to shoot this to coach. This is something the coach needs to tell you to do. Um, honestly, like it it was it was a great um it was a great idea from Carlo to to implement. Um, to implement that uh, to our to our game plan against against Chelsea or overall, um, because I've I've seen it happen multiple times. Like even in the in in the, in the Champions League final last year, based what happened was Luka Modric was uh, Luka Modric and, and Carvajal basically switched positions. Carvajal was playing in the, in the midfield, and Luka Modric was playing left uh, right back, and then. He passed the ball to Carvajal, who passed it to Casemiro, who passed it to, to Valverde. Um, so, for, yeah, I mean, football is just it's so fluid right now that, honestly, the way that people just say, okay, we play a 4-3-3, therefore we need a right winger. We need, we need a right winger. They scream for a right, right winger. But... The thing is, like, we don't need a right winger to play a four-three-three. We don't need a right winger to be a successful to be successful as a team because football is so fluid right now that you can have Danny, Danny Carvajal playing right uh, right wing and you wouldn't even notice it. You can have Fidel Valverde play right wing and you wouldn't even notice it. You can have Kamavinga play left back and you wouldn't even notice it. Um. So so yeah, I mean it's. It, honestly, for me, this is the best way to play football because 
it's so random and so chaotic that as an opposition, you wouldn't really know how to calculate how to defend against it. And I think that's that's the reason for our success. That that chaos, that that flu, uh, uh, flu fluidity that uh, that really makes our team play better and and win trophies. Um, which is why we don't need a coach like Tuchel. We don't need a coach like Guardiola. We don't need a coach like um, whoever. Right? We need a coach who can manage players. That's what we truly need. Which is why I don't know why people dismiss the name names like um Pochettino, right? He's not the best tactician, but he does know how to manage players and he's a Real Madrid fan. He he's a Madridista. And he's young, so he would he would be able to manage the players that we have right now. We have a ton of young players, and by 2024, we we won't have Luka Modric, you wouldn't have Dori Cruz, you wouldn't have Benzema. You will have so many young players that need guidance, that need management, that need to be developed. Um, I mean, look at how Vinicius, look how Vinicius became a better player under Carlo Ancelotti than he was against uh, under Zidane, right? That didn't come by choice. That came through man management. Right, and Carlo Ancelotti is a brilliant tactician, but he is not a tactician in the same way that Guardiola is tactician. Right, he he understands the Real Madrid way. Right, it's not to play the most uh, aesthetically pleasing football, although our football is pretty beautiful. Um, but our main goal is to always win trophies. Right, is to win every game. And nobody understands that better than Carlo Ancelotti, honestly. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's really great. Because to have a coach that understands the Real Madrid way, that is, uh, that is exactly what, uh, what we need. Not some tactician who's going to... I mean, we we tried the tactician route, I think, with uh, Julian Lopetegui, and just it didn't work out. I can't really blame Lopetegui for that, though. Personally, that's just me. But um, you know, you said a lot of things there that I think are true, um, and I, I don't, I wouldn't write off not like a tactician succeeding here, especially with the current group of players we have right now. Like, imagine like. Vinicius got a little more structure in his game. You know, I think those, you know how sometimes we like, look like Vinicius does something and we're all like, what the fuck was he doing? You know? And yeah, I, we do it with Ben's too. Like what, like why, why, why didn't you make that pass? I think sometimes some struck, some structure would be good for some of those guys. Um, but also, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to overstructure them, which is why someone like, you know, Jose Mourinho, I think, would be an ideal uh, coach for this team. Um, I mean, Jose Mourinho would be perfect considering how the classical climate is right now, right? The, the feud between us and Barcelona is going strong about the day. 
considering um, what's been happening lately. So having Jose Mourinho behind the microphone would actually be would actually be awesome right now. Yeah. Like I would pay money to see it. Yeah, and you know, I don't really have anything to add on to anything you said other than that. Um, so do you want to talk about the rest of the forward line with Benzema um, and Vinicius? Uh, do you like, do you want to talk about Vinicius first, and then we can get to Benzema? Yeah, I mean, I thought Vinicius was... I mean, he didn't have the best game, but even when Vinicius didn't have the best game, he still got an assist. He still had... He still made six... Um, Successful dribble. He also assisted uh, Fede's assist. Yeah. Um, honestly, like he was marked pretty, uh, pretty strongly by uh, by Reese James and Fufana. I mean, they they had to use force to stop him. Um, I mean, that's classic La Liga tactics. They didn't use force to stop him in the first leg. But then they realized that's the only way to stop him, so they played a bit dirty, um, which is fine. I mean, he could take it. He's st- like I said, he still made six dribbles, and he still made an assist. Like I said, he still made the um, free assist to Rodrigo's goal. So you know, even when you you have two players marked uh, to mark him so strongly and so aggressively, he still made a big difference. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I hope he rests the next game. We play Celta Vigo. I don't fucking care about that game because I don't give a fuck about La Liga anymore. We lost La Liga, even though Barcelona keep, keep flopping, which is, you know, we're fine. We don't really care. I mean, it's intended to lose the league by like eight points or seven points or six points rather than losing them by 12 points. I do agree with that. But it doesn't change the fact that Barcelona has won in the league. They're really I, I told you yesterday that I thought he should be um, subbed off. Because who gives a fuck? I mean, we were uh, up by four or three minutes and he still was not subbed off, even though he had an overload a few, few days ago. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's Venusius, right? He's for me, the best player in the world right now. Or, or I would say the most exciting player in the world right now. That's for sure. Yeah, I think the best way to put it is he's the most decisive player in the world right now. Like, he either makes or breaks the game. And that's just kind of how good he is. I mean, he's just a fantastic player. I, honestly, you know me. He's my favorite player on the team right now. I mean, I, I don't really love forwards. I've always been a midfield guy, but man, I've loved that kid since he was 18. And honestly, like, I, I thought he played fantastic again. You know, they kept, they gave him space and he kept taking advantage of it. And like, he was just, he was kind of like on his facilitator game today. You know, like sometimes he's, sometimes he's a goal scorer. Sometimes he's a facilitator, you know, and that's just kind of how good he is and how decisive he's become is that, you know, it doesn't really matter what he does. He always makes an impact on the game. Um. And, you know, you did, you, we talked about, you know, subbing Vinicius off just to keep him healthy. You know, we can kind of use this transition. The player that was subbed off and was quite upset about it, Benzema, man. It's like, it's like he, I don't know, you know, 
I'm pretty sure he talked about not having a backup striker, but then he gets mad when he gets subbed off. It just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, it's, it's shit like that is the reason why he doesn't have a backup striker because he gets subbed off in a game that we're up 4-0 on aggregate or it was 3-0 on aggregate at the time. Yeah, it was 3-0 on aggregate at the time and he's upset and the game is already put to bed. I don't think Chelsea, you know, because he got pulled at like what, like the 66 minute, 68 minute. I don't think Chelsea are scoring. 70th. What was it? 70th. I don't think Chelsea are yeah. scoring a goal in like three goals in 20 minutes. Could they? A hundred percent. But you know what, man? Like, Get your rest. We need you for... You, I, I texted a friend. I was like, before that game, I was like, we literally have five games that matter for the rest of the year. Copa final, UCL final if we make it, two semifinals, and the Chelsea second leg. Those are the only games that matter for the rest of the year. I hate to say it, but you know, also, you know, you said, oh, okay, I'd rather lose the league by six points instead of 12 points. Like, yeah, I agree, but also like... I kind of disagree in a sense because that that will just piss me off because of all the stupid points we dropped around the World Cup, post-World Cup and pre-World Cup. Um, You know, the team just not... Really, after the Celtic match, after, you know... I think there was an international break we went on, and then after that, it just kind of... We kind of, like, mellowed out. Um, But, you know... So, like, pretty much what I'm saying is I'd much rather lose the league by six points than, like, lose... Like Barcelona beat us by one point. But, you know, back to Benzema, you know, it, it's a catch-22, damned if you do, damned if you don't with him because, you know, he doesn't want to get pulled off. He's 35, so when he doesn't get pulled off, he gets injured. We saw, He's been injured pretty much the entirety of the season until recently. Like, injured on and off. I don't think he's had a run of games until recently. Um, and he gets upset when he doesn't, you know, scores goals. Essentially, I think he wanted to stay on because he wanted to score goals. That's the only thing I can think of. There was no other reason to stay on. I think he wants, and that's selfish, man. Like, that's selfish. Honestly, it'd be better for his career for him to win another UCL trophy than it would be to score more goals in the Champions League. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's funny to me because I read a report today that said that, Bar- that Benzema asked, asked the, uh, the board to sign more, uh, to reinforce the attack. It's funny. So, why did he get upset when a game is pretty much over, right? Um, the game is pretty much over. Uh, why does he get upset that he would get stubbed off at the 70th minute? Does he believe that when we reinforce the attack, that we would fucking sub off Vinicius and keep him? The 35-year-old. Yeah, because he's a 35-year-old. Why should we keep him on the bench for a game that's already done and dusted? He played like shit against Cotties. He could have lost at that game because of how many chances that he missed. He missed a chance. He missed an open goal. He hit the fucking post over the crossbar, and we we could have lost that game. We won by two goals that he had absolutely nothing to do with. And I don't understand. I just I don't I don't understand why he's such a diva. Um, he he gets injured a lot. He gets many overloads. He has many off muscle injuries. 
So subbing him off 20 minutes before they before full time is actually a smart idea. I understand why he would get uh, pissed off, but at the same time, he's, he's he should be mature enough to understand that he's old and that he shouldn't play every single fucking minute. And same same goes for Luka Modric, right? Um, but at least Luka Modric doesn't really complain that much when he's benched. I mean, he gets get, he gets benched in the league sometimes. He gets benched in games that don't really matter. Um, but uh, but Benzema, man, he he refuses to sit on the bench. I mean, when Benzema gets injured, he doesn't play because he he because he can't right. But when Benzema's fit, he plays. He doesn't rest like the others do. I understand he doesn't have a, a backup. But at the same time, I mean, you can play whoever in his position. I mean, like I said, the league is pretty much done and dusted. So we don't really give a fuck. But he needs to, he wants to play because guess what? He wants to get, he wants to win Pichichi. And guess what? I don't give a fuck that he wants to win Pichichi because... The league is fucking over. I mean, if we don't win the trophy, but you get your fucking Pichichi trophy or whatever. Okay. I mean, if it makes you happy, but we don't really give a fuck. That's a personal achievement that we don't we don't share. We we, we don't really care about. Um, what we care about is you being fit enough to play against Manchester City. Or the fucking Copa del Rey final or the Champions League final if you do base city. That's what we care about. So you not wanting to sit on the bench for 20 fucking minutes, man. Oh my fucking God. And guess what? He was subbed off and we scored. Well, without him. And you know, worst of all, is we don't play Man City for a while. Because of, you know, normally I think we'd be playing like next week. But the season is is longer because of the World Cup being in the middle of the year. So, you know, our, our league season goes into June. I'm assuming the Champions League final is going to be in June. So, like, we still have we still have one, two, three, four, five, five games between now and Manchester City. We play Celta Vigo on the weekend, Girona midweek, Almeria the next weekend, Real Sociedad midweek, Copa final against Asasuna that weekend on May 6th, and then we play Man City on May 9th. So, to me, these four games between now and the Copa, I would just be mixing and matching, and, like, Vinicius will play one game a week. Benzema will play one game a week. Give Let Kamavinga play midfield. Like, just let Jesus Vallejo play. Like, I don't give a fuck about these games. So, like... Like I'm, I agree. Fuck Benzema's Pachichi race. Like I don't like let Lewandowski win it. Lewandowski win it. I don't give a fuck. I care about the five games that matter. And what a surprise that we have the Copa final, the game before the Man City's first leg. Like, wow, that's fucking so typical. Yeah, I mean, it's the Spanish Federation doesn't give a fuck. I mean, when typically when it when a team is well this we're basically representing Spain, right? We're the only team in the semifinal when you when the only Spanish team in the semifinal. 
Um, so we, we were basically the only Spanish team in the knockout, which is fucking pathetic. Um, but they didn't cut us any slack, right? We had La Liga games, we had Copa de Rey games, and then Champions League. We didn't rest at all, right? No. Um, I personally believe if you were the only Spanish team in the, in the knockout, you should be given some leeway, right? Especially if you make it to the fucking final of the Copa del Rey. That's pretty easy to move up. Or move down, whatever. But, you know, keep them separated by like a fucking week or whatever, right? Two weeks even. I don't fucking care. Nobody gives a fuck. We can play that game whenever, Well, the thing right? is, is, they knew when the Copa final was. They knew, they knew either us or Barcelona would pro- likely be playing a semifinal. They knew it. They knew. You know they knew it. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, let's say we play, like, like I don't know if we play, like, Tuesday or Wednesday. But I wouldn't be surprised if they made us play on, like, Sunday because that's part when they want the Copa game and then made us play on Tuesday. Like, it would just be – it just – it would make so much sense for just what the Spanish Federation does because this is what they do, man. They don't give a fuck. When we played Ajax, bro, I, they canceled every Ajax non-Real Madrid game. You know that year that they knocked us out? They, literally, they were canceling games left and right. And I'm not saying they should cancel games for us. I don't want games canceled for us, honest to God. But, you know, playing every three or four days is not sustainable. And I know everybody's doing it, but I just blame FIFA for being greedy in general. And then... The fucking every every league competition, you know. Just I, I can't remember the last time we had off midweek. Can you? Honestly, no. I don't think we've had off midweek all season. Like all season, I, I think we might have had like off midweek twice, and that was it. It's it's just wild. And I remember that you were like, I sent you something about Ten Hog, or we were talking about Ten Hog, and you were like. 50, there's no way they've played 50 games. I literally went and counted, and they played 50 games. And you're like, dude, there's no way we've played close to that. Dude, we played 48 games when I went and counted. Like, dude, like, we, and that's not including the World Cup international breaks. So our players have literally played, like, almost 60 games this year. And we're just, you know, we're, we're still expected to play every three days. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous in general. Well, I mean, I mean, fuck the Spanish Federation. Uh, it, they give us no leeway whatsoever, and they are the ones responsible for hiring referees, which, you know, tells you everything you need to know there. Um, wait, well, what were we even talking about? We were, we were on Benzema, and then we somehow got it. Well, we were talking about Benzema's getting, re- like, not wanting to rest and not wanting to pull off, and then we got into just the plethora of games they're making us play in general. Yeah, I mean, Benzema needs to fucking make a choice. If he wants us to sign play, sign attackers in in the summer, he needs he needs to know that those attackers will be replacing him. So, and for us to even convince said attackers to join the club, we need to promise minutes because nobody's gonna sit on the bench doing fuck all and playing five minutes every uh, for uh, every four games, right? Jovic. I mean, honestly, when I saw that video of, of Benzema just waving his hands or he's waving his hands around in, 
and being passive aggressive with Carlo, I just I thought of Jovic because this is what Jovic had to had to go through. I'm not saying that Jovic didn't put in the effort, uh, because you know he was a bit lazy, but I just can't really fully blame Jovic because when when you have a player like Benzema who just refuses to even be subbed off five minutes before full time, um, or rest for one game. Honestly, like you, would you be motivated to even put in the effort? I, because I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. Um, and yeah, I mean that video just made everything clear to me. Benzema's just a fucking diva. He's always been a diva. He's always been. Um, he's always been. He always wanted to play every single possible minute, no matter how injured he was. I mean, that, that this is basically proof that says Benzema played even when he wasn't 100% fit. Because he knows he's not good. He, he's not fit. He was tackled, I think, by Fofana um, in the first half, and he was limping. He, he, Fofana basically stepped on his foot. That's Thiago Silva. And, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think someone said he did it twice. He did it purposely. Now um, so purposely, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ancelotti obviously would want to take him off because he doesn't want to risk him. And then he, he does this bullshit. At 35 years of age, and he's our fucking captain. Just, it's just a bad image. I mean, he should be a fucking example, but he's not. Um, maybe I'm being too harsh on him, but thing is, like I said, he's our fucking captain, so if if he's not going to be an example of the younger players, then he should not be our captain. I mean, I don't think Benzema should be our captain anyway, because I don't think he has any qualities that of a captain, because he just he's so isolated on the on the, on the pitch from the other players, honestly. He, when there's a fight, when there's an argument with the ref, he just he doesn't get he doesn't get involved because he said that he believes that it's it's all nonsense. You shouldn't argue with the ref, blah blah blah. You shouldn't argue with other players on the pitch because it's a waste of time. I mean, sure, but then I remember playing like Sergio Ramos, for example. He would intervene every time one of our players has an altercation with the opposition, and then and then you have Benzema just does, does fuck all. Um, which I don't think you should do if you're a captain, but that's beside the point. Benzema, he should, he should, he should be more humble. Because he's gonna play his last fucking season next year. And he should know that if we do sign someone, it's gonna, he's, he's gonna be the one suffering. Yeah, and like, you know... I a lot of people are like, bring in Roberto Firmino, bring in Roberto Firmino. And honestly, I'm one of those people. I'm like, bring him the fuck in because, you know, what people are like, I see people and, you know, shout out to the people that we know. You know, they're like, when Benzema goes, the whole system is Benzema. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. But like, let's not act like if we got like a proper nine. And by proper nine, I'm not saying Benzema is not a proper nine, but proper nine, like a nine that, you know, Fox in the Box 9, you know, Jamie Vardy, early Holland, that kind of 9. Um, you know, you don't have to, the system doesn't have to revolve around 
that him and honestly it would be probably be better to get an actual nine if Rodrigo's going to be floating around like that. You know, even if Rodrigo's on the right wing, if Rodrigo's floating around, there's not really a problem because Rodrigo can kind of take up that link up play spot, but that's neither here nor there in this conversation. Just the fact that people act like we're overly relying on Benzema and we're really not. And but bringing someone if, like if, if we're overly relying on one player, it's actually Vinicius. Exactly, we are if very he... over relying on Vinicius and his line breaking ability. Hundred percent. Dude, look at our heat maps. We basically like ninety percent of our uh, offensive strength comes from the left side, aka Vinicius Junior. So let's not kid ourselves. The first goal that we scored against Chelsea in the first leg, that was all Vinicius. That was all Vinicius and. All Benzema had to do was just tap it in. Which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but like, Vinicius does basically all the movements. Um, he, he's the player that helps Benzema the most, not the other way around, as many people think. Yeah, and you know, I, like I said, Roberto Firmino would be the perfect player if he is okay with being a backup. Um, and you know, maybe Roberto Firmino wants to win a you know a title in another league you know like do a little Zlatan in, in a sense like Zlatan's at AC Milan right now but he's not doing jack shit Zlatan could be playing for somewhere else and be starting but Zlatan is very happy at Milan being a leader there um and you know that takes a I'm not the biggest Zlatan fan but that takes a lot of maturity and you know takes a lot of self-assessment to be able to sit there and be like, I'm not the best option for the team right now. Um, Olivier Giroud is, and I'm going to be here. I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to be, you know, a leader for this team. And, you know, maybe I'll win some more trophies. And, you know, if Roberto Firmino is willing to be that guy, I think it'd be a great option. Um, Except Firmino probably needs to play 30% of the games for him to be okay with that. Um, and so, you know, if we're playing a 60 game season, which let's just say it's a 60 game season, uh, you know, 30% of that is what 15 games, not even. Yeah. About 15 games, 16, 17 games, something like that. And that's not including like sub appearances. I'm saying like start 15 games, like, and Benzman needs to be okay to not start 15 games. And that's kind of where the problem comes in, right? And this is this hypothetical. So what, what striker would be okay with... Because Jovic didn't play 15, like 15 games. Jovic probably played five games a year. Um, I would love for Mino. Honestly, I think he would fit right in because we have... We have so many Brazilians, and you know he's an experienced player, so he would fit right in. He would actually help our young players a lot. Um, he would, he would be, he would be a great addition. But like I told you before, I don't, I don't think he's gonna come because I don't think he, he wants to sit on the bench. I mean, he, I don't think he plays that much with Liverpool. Um, I want to see how many, if you can see how many minutes he's played with Liverpool. I don't think it's a lot. Um, definitely not as as many minutes as you would you would like. I think there's a reason why he's not renewing with Liverpool, and that is because he doesn't play that much. Uh, I don't think he even played the last uh, couple of games that they uh, that they that they even played. Um, but 
if if you can convince Bobby Firmino, I mean, honestly, the thing is, if if we were to get Bobby Firmino, right, it would be on a one year contract, right? I think that's that's pretty clear. I mean, that's what we do with players who are over, over thirty, um, and you know, he's not really a long term player, so a one year contract would be the only thing that makes sense. And a one year contract is not really something a lot of players want to have, right? Because it's I mean, football is basically like a job to these players, right? And I would not want to renew. Uh, not, I would not want to have a job that gives me like a one-year contract only, uh-huh. um, because I would. Okay, say that one co- one-year contract is over, right? And okay, what what do I do now? And especially if I don't play that much, right? Because then. My one-year contract is over, and I didn't play that much, so no club would really want to sign me, right? Unless it's like a shitty um, Asian, African, American team in the MLS or yeah. whatever that wants me, right? Um, so it, it's not very attractive. I don't even know how just how old Firmino is. Like he's, maybe he's like 32 33. Um He's so, 31, yeah, he's... turning 32. Um, so I can give you some. So Robbie Firmino this year has missed 51 days to calf injury, um, which came up to 10. 50, wait, 51 days? Yep, last, How many injuries has he it had? It was one injury. It was a calf injury. Last season, he missed uh, 21 days for a foot injury, 21 days for a muscular problem, 7 days for corona, 39 days for a hamstring, and 20, 24 days for a muscle. Um this season, his minutes are, he's actually, so until he got the calf injury, he was playing a ton uh, this year. Um, so until he got the calf injury, he was playing a lot, uh, starting mostly 51 minutes, 90 minutes, 69, 90, 45, 75, 48, 72, 81, 76, 90, 74, 75. So, you know, he's starting most of those games. Um, then he got the calf injury and then he kind of looked like he started coming off the bench. Um, but this year he has 1,000, 1,000, like 1,600 minutes played, um, 23 premier league games, eight champions league games, one community shield, one EFL cup game, 33 games total. That's not a lot of minutes. No. I think like that's, that's less than maybe like Danny Ceballos or Asensio. I think they've played even more than that. I'll check right now. Yeah, I think Tobias played like two thousand minutes since he like no, not not two thousand, maybe like nineteen hundred. Okay, I got his player pro. Uh, let me just go to his stats for twenty two, twenty three. Um, Tobias has played one thousand three hundred sixty seven minutes. Well, how about Asensio? Asensio definitely, played, definitely more, played a lot. Yeah. Okay. Asensio has played. He's got 40 games played this year. So 1,494 minutes. Wow. Okay. So Bobby Firmino plays more than Asensio at, at Liverpool. He plays more than Asensio here. That's very interesting. I honestly thought they played more than that. Yeah, me too. So I guess. 
I mean, he does have 33 games played. Asensio's got 40. But Asensio does come off the bench more than Bobby Firmino does. Um, I mean, if... Yeah, but, but with Bobby, but we minutes remember, here, I don't think so. Yeah, but we got, we also got to remember that both Asensio and Ceballos want more minutes. Oh, 100%. And if Bobby Firmino comes in, I don't think Asensio's getting more minutes. Actually, I think Asensio's getting yeah, less minutes next tricky. year anyway. With Brahim Diaz coming in. If he comes I already, in. I think that's a done deal. I, I really do. I mean, the problem with Brahim is... Okay, so you're in a semifinal with Milan, right? You have a starting role. He comes to Real Madrid to sit on the bench. I don't know. I think he's maybe indecisive. I don't think it's his choice. Maybe. That's the thing. Um, if 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 Milan choose to activate the, uh, his clause, then it's not really our choice. Yeah, but we can just we have a buyback in that clause, so. Yeah, but he would need to agree to to be bought back but he, for us to be able to activate it. I don't know, man. I just I don't. I think if he come, I think he's gonna come. That's all. For me, I think he's gonna end up here. I hope so. I fucking love Raheem. I think he's 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 one of my favorite players, and I love watching him. And I think he's he's a really good player. But I don't know. He's 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 very important for uh for Milan. He's been doing really well. So I mean, unless we promise him that we will give him uh, minutes, a lot of minutes, I I'm just I'm doubtful. I mean, I even heard that he might be he might be used. And the Jude Bellingham deal, which I detest. I don't think that. I, I really detest. I know, but... We're not the type of club to bring someone back just to get rid of them. I don't know. That's very scumbaggish, and that's not really like us. But, you know, um, I guess we should probably move on to the midfield now. Um, any thoughts on Fede, Luca, or... Tony? They just played a perfect game. I have nothing to say. <laughs> Apart from the fact that they were amazing. All three of them. We're gonna have we're gonna have Luca and Cruz for another year, which you know. Yeah. Is they're not leaving. Uh, it's a choice. How do you feel about them not leaving? Ah, oh, honestly, like it's it's good for the club. I'll say that it's kind of whatever at this point. We kind of expected it. Honestly, I expected Cruz to retire. <laughs> honestly, I, I up until like February, maybe January, I think he was um, closer to leaving or retiring. But I guess something changed because. Remember when, you know, Fabrizio Romano, for example, said we will have a decision by like March or February from Tony Cruz, right? But then he was like, uh, I haven't made a decision yet. And then he made a decision in, in May, late May, that is. Um, I think he changed I love Tony Cruz. I think making him for one more year is, is a good thing. I mean, the. We both don't have a problem 
problem. Obviously, you just have a problem with them playing together. That's the problem. Playing every game. Um, yeah. Um, but it's whatever because it, honestly, like, they deserve to play in the new Bernabe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 2024, I guess. Do you think that's the reason they re-signed to play in the new Bernabeu? Yeah, I mean, honestly, all the players that we have right now deserve to play. We do not deserve Jack Chen. But, yeah, I mean, Christian Monders, they really deserve to play. Um... They, they do deserve to be celebrated. Um, and yeah, I mean, and we have to we have to admit that just having experienced players like them is good for the young players. Always. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any complaints about either of them re-signing and staying here um, for another year. My complaint really has to do more with the coach overplaying them, playing them too much, maybe when it's not really the best game for them, both of them, one of them, whoever. I just want more rotations. That's my only complaint about it. You know, like, there's a reason, you know, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't have started against Chelsea. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I think Chelsea is just, sometimes it's just way too safe. And that's, that's always been my problem with Carl and that he's, Right, um, but you know, I'm thinking it's like it, we don't really know how he thinks. We don't really know what he wants. We don't really know what he had in mind. So I guess it's what we we won. They're they're gonna play regardless of what we think, unfortunately. So and congratulations to them. Um. Yeah, and, you know, Chuameni, you know, let's talk about Chuameni for a minute. You know, he's been getting a lot of hate recently, and honestly, I don't really think it's very justified. Um, I did see a tweet, that I don't know if I sent it to you, a friend sent it to me, and it kind of encapsulated what Chuameni kind of is. He's a good progressive passer, but he's not as good as Kamavinga at creating space for himself. Or So, like... All the space that he, like, when he makes those passes, it's based on the space that he's been given by the pass instead of, like, you know, Kamavinga can create space for himself. Danny Ceballos can create space for himself. Modric, Cruz, they all can, can create spaces for themselves. Even Fede Valverde, because he's, he's a very good progressive dribbler, he creates space for himself. Chuameni doesn't really possess that quality, which is fine, but it's why I think a lot of people like the double pivot of Kamavinga and Chuameni together. Um... And honestly, I think Chuameni's been getting a lot of unwarranted hate from the fan base. Because, you know, he's actually, he was really instrumental in all of our wins against Barcelona early in the year. And I think Carlo has unfairly been criticizing him as well. Um, and we haven't really heard much from Chuameni, but, you know, the fit is there. And I hope his camp understands that and agrees that the fit is there. Um, do you have any extra thoughts on Chuameni and his situation or just anything about him in general? Honestly, I'm glad he's in that situation because, um, I mean, he when he joined the club, he was given, because Casemiro left, he, he was getting a starting role right away. And 
it was great, right? It was great up, up until the, the World Cup. Then he lost his spot. But now he has a chance to prove himself that he's worthy of starting for Ranji, just like kind of Inga did, right? Um, and I th- honestly, I think whenever he he played, I think I thought he was good. Um, when okay, so the thing is, it's sometimes it's unfair, right? Because Carlo can be a little stupid sometimes. Like uh, when we played against Diaz, he, he he played Danny Tobias and she remained in the pit. It was a very stupid move because that's not where Tobias, for example, takes right. And if you play Gary Sabai, it takes a many. And one of them is not good is not good in a pivot. You just you just bound to, to make to make Chua many as well play like shit because in a pivot you, 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 both players need, need to be um uh need to be fit for that role so that they, they don't you don't make shit harder for each other. Right? Yeah. Um so when you play Danny Dyes in that spot I thought it was. I thought it was. It, it was um, a, a big mistake from Carlo. You can play like you said. You can play Kamavinga in that spot and put Chilomeni, and they'll be amazing, right? You can play Tony Cruz in that spot, and they'll be amazing. Lukomaj, for example, is not fit in the pivot. Um, there's just there. There are types of types of players who just do not fit in that role, and that's fine. But. It was a big disappointment to see Carlo start um, that lineup. I mean, you play uh, four attackers too much to, uh, and a pivot against Villarreal. I mean, that was a, a big mistake from Carlo, especially in the in the selection of players he chose in, in, to play in those positions. Uh, so yeah, I mean, back to Chuamani. I, I honestly, whenever, like I said, whenever he played, I thought he was, he was good. He will get his, he will he will get his chance, you know. He, he will get his chance in the league. He, uh, he just he needs to be patient. He needs to be patient, like most young players who comes around the field. They don't start right away. Uh, they just need to prove themselves, and you know he he will get the chance to prove himself. He just needs to be patient. He needs to put in the work. Um, and yeah, yeah, you know I I. I think Chuamani's ceiling is really high, um, and I just think that he needs to adapt a little bit. You know, let's be honest. It took Vinicius. You know, we didn't throw Vinicius into the deep end. You know, like Vinny got time to adapt. Rodrigo got time to adapt. Kamavinga literally took like six, seven months to adapt. Um, and you know, he wasn't. He was still inconsistent. And then we get the Kamavinga this year. So you know. I think Chuameni will come good next year. And I think, not that he didn't come good this year. He's had really good moments this year. Like, really good moments. Moments of brilliance. Moments where he was arguably the best player on the pitch. And I honestly, I think he's kind of got the short end of the stick in all of this. Unfortunately. And I don't even think any of it is his fault. The thing with Chuameni, I mean, we talked about it before, right? Luca and Cruz love to play together, right? I mean, like we said, there's a reason why Camarino is playing left back instead of the midfield because he's too good to be benched, but there's not a spot for him in the midfield. Same thing with, uh, with, uh, with the wing. He can play the midfield. 
it will always come to this point, right? Luca and Cruz need to play together, but we have players who are too good to put on the bench, and therefore sacrifices need to be made. So, yeah, I mean, he just, he just needs to wait. Put in the work, do the best you can, and when, I mean, when, when Cruz and Modric um, leave, you'll Hey, he will finally gain back the starting role. Not, you know, not that he can't do it right now for next season. Um, but it will be it will be very difficult because I mean, unless Chris and Modric. I mean, if 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 next year if the the last year for Chris and Modric, they should play the least amount of games possible, right? Because you don't want uh, to, you know, you don't want to push. Kamavinga and Fede and uh, Chuomeni in the same midfield the following season when they're not used to each other, right? You need to play Kamavinga, Chuomeni, and Fede together as much as possible, right? To, you know, to uh, to get them accustomed to how each uh, each one of them play, how, how his style is, how how they how he passes the ball around, how he moves, right? They need to get used to each other because um because if if they if they keep playing next to Luca and Modric, right? And out of nowhere, okay, let's let's shove them all in the same midfield. It'll just it, it won't work out, right? Um so yeah, Luca and Cruz need to play less, a lot less next year. Um. So, so Cruz and so and two and don't get punctured. Yeah, and um, and that's why Ceballos, I think, is it's really important to lock him up again, you know, and just kind of tell him like, dude, wait. Next year you're gonna get more minutes than you did this year, and then the year after that, like, you're gonna be third, fourth choice. You're gonna be whatever one you want him to be. Um, probably fourth, but like a like more like a three A. Like you're anytime any of those guys don't play, you're gonna be the guy. And the thing is, is being fourth choice midfielder really isn't the worst thing in the world. Fede has been our fourth choice midfielder for God knows how long, and Fede's played a ton just because of the right wing situation. But you know, he's always filled in even when he was fourth choice, and has always played important and big minutes and. You know, that's kind of, if I was trying to get Ceballos to renew, that's what I'd point to. I'd be like, look, like, I'm really sorry that Tony and Luca are staying another year, but, like, we want you here. You're our guy. If you don't want to be here, we completely understand, but we want you here, and we want you to take, you know, we want you to be a part of our mid the midfield four that we use. Um, So, you know, what are your thoughts on Ceballos? Just not in general, but, you know, the game... Because we know what you think about Tobias in general, and you know what do you think his role needs to be for him to stay here next year? He obviously is going to need more minutes. I mean, the thing we can all agree on is that Danny Tobias is a different profile than any of the mixtures that we have. Right? He's, I, I like to think of Tobias as a mixture between Luka Modric and Tony Cruz. Right? He's, he has the flair, the skill, and the dribbling, but he also has the control aspect. He can make the most progressive passes. 
he can make he can, he can do his through balls are exceptions, right? No one in our squad can make can make through balls like uh, um and his movement is exceptional. Um, I do agree. I mean, if Tobias stays, I mean, he's he's gonna play uh, many more minutes than he does now. Because he is a different profile than of the midfielders that we have. When Crystal Rogers leaves, you're going to look at Kamavinga, uh, 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 Chiwamani, and Vincere. Maybe in this one specific game, you don't really need Kamavinga. Maybe in this one specific game, you don't need Chiwamani. In this specific game, you don't need Fidel Alberti, right? So you're going to use the bios because he can, like I said, he can control, control the game um, better than. Pretty much, I mean, him and Tony Cruz are the only controls that we have. Uh, when he got subbed on against Chelsea, the moment he stepped on the pitch, he was the player that made the most passes out of the players on the pitch, right? Um, in, in the minutes that he spent on the, on, on the pitch, with, which were like 20 minutes. No, no. And if you look at our second goal, he made a few passes, right? And then the ball went to Rudiger. Tobias made an exceptional and very brilliant. I mean, I've watched that goal many, many times just because I wanted to see that run Tobias made. And then he left the ball to Vinicius. They used basketball to Fede and Fede basketball to Rodrigo. That run was... He didn't even touch the ball, but that run basically was a key pass. That makes sense. Because he opened spaces, he distracted the defenders. I mean, that goal doesn't happen without without that run. Um, he's, he's just a brilliant player, and we we should try to keep him. We should not go for, for, for Jude Bellingham. One hundred fifty million dollars for Jude Bellingham. When you could just renew Tobias and just you know give him like a five five mil a year or whatever, um, you have a player who just first of all loves the club. Second of all, is close to basically all our players. Like Vinicius loves them, Rodrigo loves them, Malatao loves them. Um, basically, all all our players love Danny Tobias. Um, you can see it on social media. You can see it on the pit on the pitch. He's just he's a very lovable lovable player who loves the club and loves our loves loves pretty much everyone who's happy to be here. And you just all you gotta do is give him a contract and he'll sign it. Um, and yeah, we should try to keep him because it'll just like I, I've said it a million times. I would rather have a player who's average, not that device average, but my thought process is. You should always prioritize this is what matters most. And I think the club's doing that though. Like I think the club is personally really putting that first at this point. Like you kind of saw it with the Chua Many signing. Like we kind of told Monaco, hey, we're not gonna spend over what you're asking. Like we're not gonna spend more. You know, if Chua Many is gonna come, it's gonna come at our price. And like we didn't mind paying eighty plus twenty for to a many, but you know, 
be, it was because he wanted to come here. And, you know, something you mentioned about Danny Sabias is, is his runs. And, you know, it just, it, it made me think about Gareth Bale, you know, and how successful, how many, like how many goals Cristiano scored because of Gareth Bale's off ball runs, you know? And like Gareth, that was something that made Gareth like so elite and like, I mean, really, you know, I know Cristiano and Gareth didn't like, not that they had any problems, but it's not like they were like friends on the field or anything like that. But, you know, part of what made Cristiano so successful is that Gareth Bale opened up when Gareth Bale played, he opened up so much space for him, especially in like La Liga games against low blocks. You know, when you got to mark Bale and Cristiano, you know, that's a lot. And so, you know, it's just really, it really, it's very reminiscent of that. You know, Ceballos is always working. He's always, you know, I'm not saying Gareth, not in that sense. He's like Gareth Bale, but the off ball movement. And, you know, pulling defenders, he's very good at pulling defenders out of spaces, which opens up space for others. And it's something that, you know, is what made Cristiano get to that next level, especially in big games, um, especially in not even not like, you know, not it didn't even have to be big games. It could be just regular low block La Liga squads. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, Ceballos, I think has deserved a renewal and I hope he, I hope he decides to stay. Um, I, we know the club has offered him one recently. It came out, um, but he deserves to stay at the club and, you know, he's someone that can easily be successful here. And, you know, something that's not even talked about is his age profile. We don't really have at the club. Um, and I think that's kind of why it's important to keep him. You know, we're, we're really old and really young. We don't really have any of those in-betweeners. Um, you know, because Alaba's not that young. I guess Rudiger probably fits into that mold. But, you know, looking at the situation, not all of the guys have that. We're very young, but we're also very old. There's really no in-between. Um, and then even more so beyond that, do you, do you have anything else to say on midfield or do you want to move to defense? Yeah, survives. Yeah. Um, also, you know, something that should be pointed out was just, you know, the Chelsea fans leaving and just, just the Madrid fans kind of took over the stadium, even from like after the first goal, you couldn't really hear the Chelsea fans anymore. It was just, you could really only hear the Madrid fans. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I heard it on TV and I couldn't believe it. I thought they had like a mic directed towards our fans <laughs> because I couldn't, I couldn't believe just how, why the Chelsea fans thought, which I you know I, I don't really blame them, but blame them, but you know being a Real Madrid fan, being a Real Madrid fan, our fans don't are not quiet when we can see they get loud, yeah. right? So, oh. so then in moving on to the defenders, you know Alaba ends up picking up a knock, Militao ends up picking up his extra yellow card, um, which then suspends him for the first leg. Rudiger has to come on at halftime, and Danny Carvajal, you know, I didn't really think he was any tempted much. Any of your thoughts on any of those guys? Melitao, best center back in the world. Fucking should have been benched um, that game, but, you know, he, he's incredible. The, that double block against Conte, um, I thought Chelsea were going to score, but they didn't. And I thought, like, that, that shot from contact, I thought it hit, it hit the post, but nope, it was Militao who blocked it. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it was just he just had a really good game. Um, Kamavinga, a uh, left back, was amazing as usual. Alaba, I thought he was he had he had a decent game, but then he got injured, which pissed me off because ah, he just keeps picking up injuries, which which sucks because having him on on the pitch is such a such an advantage. Yeah, Carvajal, always different. Um. In uh, UCL Knights, I had, they had a really good game. I thought, uh, yeah, uh, just it was a good game defensively. And let's not forget that say the Kutuame against Kukurea. Um, while Chelsea fans were calling him a cunt and insulting him, like little degenerates, uh, just he's also the best goalkeeper in the world. So. Yeah, I mean, our back, we, we, dude, we had a clean sheet back-to-back against Chelsea. You know, we had a clean sheet back-to-back, period, against Cardiff, now Chelsea. That's, for us, this season, that's actually insane. Sorry, um, I missed what you were just saying. I, uh... I accidentally dropped my phone, but um, I know we're talking about the defenders, and I, I'd heard what you said about Alaba, and you know what you said about Alaba is just our team, just our defensive line, especially, just looks much better with him on the field. Whether it's paired with Militao, Nacho, Kamavinga, Carvajal, Lucas Vasquez, it doesn't matter. Our team looks significantly better when Alaba is on the pitch in the central of defense than on the outside. Um, so you know, as long as he's back by the second leg. You know, I, I don't really have any problems with Rudiger and Alaba being our center back pairing, even though I would prefer Militao to manmark um Holland, but you know I guess it's bet it's better in a sense that at least Rudiger is awesome in the air. Um and you know, they, they are gonna spam crosses from every angle you can fucking think of. Um and you know that's Rudiger. You know that's kind of where Rudiger excels. And you know he just brings a he brings a big fire to the team. He bring you know he blocks a shot and he gets hype. And you know I think he brings something to the team that we don't get. So I don't really think it's even a dis like it's obviously disadvantage when you lose the best defender in the world right now. In my opinion, in Carlo's opinion, in your opinion, and you know obviously we think that because you know we're all Madridistas. But you know he's really been arguably the best defender in the world. For the entirety of the season, um, the inconsistencies of last season are well, well in the past, and you know he's really just coming to his own. And you know it, it's going to be a miss, but honestly, I think I'd rather, I, I think I'd rather have an Alaba, Militao, an Alaba Rudiger pairing than a Militao Rudiger pairing against Holland, and just just because Alaba does a fan, I think Alaba is going to be really important in that in those two legs of. Just directing the back line. I mean, I guess the only problem with having Rudiger is that he failed to he failed to that offside to make that offside trap work. And Holland, his off the ball movement is insane. And he's really fucking quick. He's a fucking giant who's a who's fucking quick. Um, 
So with Kevin De Bruyne makes through balls to Mr. Erling Holland, it's gonna be tricky. That offside trap needs to work. And Rudiger is a weakling in that offside trap. Um, so I hope that having Alaba will help Rudiger make that offside trap work. Although, when I've seen them play together, it did seem that they were not really in sync. Um, I remember when we played Villarreal. I remember when when Chiquizi, I don't fucking know how to pronounce his name. That's Nigerian that fucked us in. Yeah, that that Nigerian who fucked us in the ass. I remember when when uh, when he, he scored. I think the second goal, the first goal. Um, that that goal when he fucking when he trolled Nacho. <laughs> he played Nacho. Um, Rudiger and Alaba were, were nowhere to be seen. Not we were like dead ass in the middle of the box, and they were nowhere to be seen. That for me was a disaster. Alaba was like so far into the midfield. Rudiger was like was basically playing right back, and Nacho was playing center back. Our defense against Villarreal was. Disastrous, but there's a reason why we don't do podcasts uh, on La Liga games anymore. We play awful in La Liga, and honestly, we would lose our minds if we start doing podcasts about La Liga again. Honestly, like it would be just us shitting on the team, every single player, and we would just get pissed off. And you know, you don't need to hear it. We don't need to say. It. We'll just we just it's be- we, we it's better that we do podcasts on. Uh, um, UCL games for now. Um, so, yeah, back, back to Rudiger and Alaba. I mean, I wish that we had Militao because he's so good at man marking, and that's what, what, that's what we need when you play against Erling Haaland, because, you know, Militao managed to stop Lewandowski. Well, you know, he's one of the best, um, uh, strikers in the world, so and he doesn't just man mark you; he bullies you. Uh, I I I did not see. I don't know how Rudiger would would work with man marking. I I don't think I've witnessed it, but I just I have a feeling that he he would be good. He would be good at it because he's also a very big, tall, huge, muscular bully. Uh, but so is Erling Holland, unfortunately. So, I mean, it's, it's honestly it's gonna be fun. It's it's gonna be fun, and I and I hope they do manage to stop him because, um, you've seen that you've seen what he's. I mean, I just hope they don't play like up 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 in did in, in the two legs because holy fucking shit, that was. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't really have any qualms about it, to be honest. It's just, obviously, we'd both rather really tell be there. And, you know, to me, just use these next four games to get proper rest and keep everyone in line um, as best as they can. Because, you know, truth be told, like I said, now we have we have four games that matter. That's literally it. 
No more, no less. Even if Barkley so it's really no harm, no foul. You know, we drop points in the league. Just use those games to rotate. If I remember correctly, that's what won us the UCL last year was the fact that we had we had the league locked up, you know, a month beforehand. And so, you know, just finish this finish these games up. Get through the league games. I think we have like nine league games left or something like that. Ten. Eight, you know, so you know, we're at the tail end of the season now. You know, this is when shit actually starts to really matter, you know. Um, I think because Carlo made the Copa final and the UCL semifinal, I think his job is safe. I don't think he's gonna leave at the end of the year. I don't think he's gonna get replaced. Um, because I think he's happy here, and honestly, I think the club is quite happy with Carlo and the way the job he's done with the squad, and you know, I don't really have any complaints about him. Um do you have any other points that you want to talk about or anything else you want to say? No. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to La Casablanca podcast. Go follow us on Twitter, TikTok, wherever. We're going to try to start getting more content out, but it's just kind of, we've both been kind of busy and have a lot going on in our lives right now. And personally, I think we just enjoy talking about Real Madrid anyway. Um, we would be doing this anyway on PS5. Um, so, you know, might as well record our conversations. Um, thank you all for listening. Yeah, and don't forget to go follow my boy. I, yeah, yeah. Do what you want. Paul <laughs> Madrid, not a mas. And let's go win this UCL final in the Copa del Rey. Let's do the double. Fuck it. Let's ruin Barcelona's season for beating us in the champ for beating us in the league because that's really the only thing that could ruin it for them. The fact that we knocked them out in the Copa and then we and then we win the UCL and the Copa that would really ruin the the season, especially knocking out their goat Pep. And then we went and exposed the relationship with Franco after that fucking manchild Laporta. Said that we were his fucking club. Which yeah, we do you want to talk? Do you actually want to talk I about mean, that before you go? Yeah, I fucking do because I'm actually, dude. He, his antics are so fucking childish. And the thing is, like Barcelona fans and the Catalan media is so fucking biased. They're attacking us for quote unquote rewriting history. Well, what did report report Laporta fucking do then? What the fuck did he do? He went and and publicly said that we were uh, helped. Well, first of all, he said that we were helped by Franco. Second of all, he said that we we were control every single referee and that they helped us when when trophies, which is fucking tr- fucking bullshit. Um, these are some serious uh, allegations. Uh, Accusation. Yeah, that works too. So we responded with a fucking video that said, "Well, guess who was helped by Franco? Guess who was who was who gave um medals to Franco? Guess who? Guess which club Franco's uh helped uh, to renovate Camp No? It was SB Barcelona. Then when okay, so the thing is, we're not saying that he loved Barcelona, but they they it." 
he did help Barcelona, right? Um, he did not. He was not a Real Madrid fan. He did not help Real Madrid. He did not give a fuck about it. He probably didn't give a fuck about Barcelona either. But to come out and say that he was a Real Madrid fan who helped us win trophies, too. Um, if you go back and look at the history, Barcelona won the most trophies in the Franco era. We went 20-something years with, without winning the league during the Franco era, right? So to come out and say that he was a Real Madrid fan who helped us win and that the referees uh, gave calls in our favor is fucking bullshit. Um, that guy was supposed to come out and talk about uh, that fucking case they're involved in. Because they pay refs to give calls in their favor, which is a fucking scandal. They're saying they have invoices about reports that they, um, that they, uh, that, uh, that fucking guy, I don't, I don't fucking remember his name. Um, yeah. Um, about, about refs and shit. Um, but you don't pay close to 8 million euros for fucking reports. That's fucking bullshit, okay? And the thing is, I mean, there would be no case if that was the case, right? You say that you have invoices, you say that you have proof, blah, blah, blah. Dude, the case went to court, right? You would have to have some type of proof if, if it goes to court. Maybe you would uh, argue against that proof in court, but you would need court, you would need proof to um, to even go to court, otherwise the game will be, the case will be dismissed, right? Um, so he's just honestly he he did all he said all that bullshit just flat. He did not talk about the case at all. Um, he just he needed us to he wanted to use us just the the flat, and he did exactly that because all media. Has been talking about was Franco is he was he an ally of Brown did or Barcelona? So I guess he won there. But well, it's funny if you go if you type in uh, if you type in Franco allegiance Barcelona or anything like that. How did Franco help Barcelona? All the articles that come up are all how Franco helped Real Madrid, which is fucking. I mean, it's just this. It's they are rewriting history, and everyone is rewriting history for it to be this. Real Madrid pro Franco team. Like they act like Franco won us the UCLs. They act like and honestly, there's there was a time where actually Santiago Bernabeu kicked General Franco out of his press box because he was tired of his shit. Does that sound like a guy that's a part of the allegiance? Does that sound like a guy that's a part of the coalition? No. It doesn't. So, you know, it's just it's just all a bunch of bullshit. And honestly, I I have an opinion and maybe I'm off here. You can tell me if you think I'm off. But clearly something is going on between the two clubs. Like you you mean to tell me Laporte and Flo haven't just haven't talked to each other, haven't discussed. You know, this all just seems to be maybe a way to get the classico hype again. I don't really know, but you know. Call me a conspiracy theorist or something, whatever. Call me whatever the fuck you want, but something's a little off here for, like, because all Laporte's doing is deflecting and, like, 
I don't know. Like, I understand why Real Madrid responded, but like Real Madrid really didn't have to respond. But, you know, they should have responded. And anyone that says they shouldn't have or it was childish, I think is kind of ridiculous because like, imagine like, imagine someone just came out and was like, you're a descendant of Adolf Hitler. You you had an allegiance with Adolf Hitler. Like, that's terrible. Like, I would be like, no, the fuck we didn't. Like, it's the same fucking thing. And honestly, let's be honest here. Both clubs were helped by Franco. Like, you, I'm sorry, but you can't just, like, say, like, oh, well, you were helped by Franco here, here, here. Like, both clubs got helped by Franco, man. Let's be honest here. In some sort of capacity. It's, you know, it's very naive to believe that Franco wasn't helping these clubs in some sort of way, shape, or form. You know, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I'm off color there. I don't know. I just think, I think it's very naive. It, it's like, it's like asking, you know, cause you go along to get along. You know what I'm saying? Like it, at that time, you know, like he would, he would, he was, he would kill people in the streets. Like, so if you don't, if you don't do what he says, if you don't fucking, you know, help him in some way, shape or form, you know, or do something, you know, do what he says, you know, you could be thrown in jail. You could, you know, like you could do a lot of things and he could do, he could essentially do whatever he wanted to you. And so, you know, I think it's very naive to believe that like Barcelona to sit here and just point the finger at us. Well, we can point the finger back at you. And I'm sure that athletic club can point the finger at anyone else. And Atletico Madrid can point the finger at anyone else. And like, I'm sure most of these clubs had some sort of some sort of relationship with Franco at some point. It's just, he was, he was essentially, he was, he was a high profile official that no one could tell him what to do. Bottom line. But for Barcelona to bring up these accusations, let's just say uh, Franco died in like the 70s, 80s. So 50 years later, it's not even relevant to what's going on right now. It's not even close to relevant. And all it does is it's starting drama, which is what I believe they pro- Florentino and Laporta probably talked and was like, Yo, man, like let's let's bring the classico back. Like we need money. The Super League ain't going through. Like it, it's you know what La Liga doesn't want to help us. It's got to be on you and me. It's got to be us. And you know what? At the end of the day, that's probably what happened. And those two probably had a conversation. Was like, look, it's got to be you and I. We we're gonna have to we're gonna have to bring this league to the level of the Prem ourselves. And how do we do that? Well, we got to make the classico big. Well, fuck, we can't sign the top players in the world. And Mbappe said no to us. You know, like fuck, like you guys probably you know like. Mbappe Holland would have been the perfect, you know, Cristiano Messi uh, replacement, I guess is the best way to say it. And like, that's not happening. So how do we get the Clasco back? Well, we have to create this rivalry between our two clubs. And you know what? That's that what, you know, making public statements about each other, causing, you know, all this drama between each other that the whole footballing world is going to see. Honestly, like. That's that's a that's a good way to do it. Um, let me know if you think I'm off when I say that. But you're muted if you're trying to speak. I don't really know. Oh, I was. 
on top of that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's something that was agreed upon between Forza and Florentino. I think what happened was, La Forza is, a, is in a tough situation. His club is involved in basically the biggest scandal um, in Spanish football. He just, he needed something to flex. He needed to say something that was, that was causing a, uh, that was causing a problem, whatever, to distract Even that his club is involved, he himself is involved in a scandal that could ruin He does do that a lot. I mean, he just, he just talk about, he, he probably talks about it more than he does talk about um, his own club. Um, he's upset. He's a fucking kid as well. I mean, today there was an assembly of representatives of badge clubs, and he apparently did not shake hands or talk to. Uh, Jose Angel Sanchez, um, which is fucking pathetic to me because that's just he's not he's not he's not in high school, okay? I mean, even if you have a problem with the club, I mean, you don't have a problem with Jose Angel Sanchez personally, so just stay hands, talk to him, say hi, blah blah blah, be respectful, be polite, be civil, right? But now he's a fucking he's a fucking kid. That's how La Fuerza always been. He's a fucking kid. Um, which is insane for a guy who's 60 or 70 or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's something that was agreed upon. Um, I do think there is a problem with these between the two clubs. I do think that whatever respect that we have for FC Ruffles, whatever, um, whatever relationship that we have, it's not completely broken. And the only thing that's keeping us together is the Super League, and they cannot get out because they would need to pay a huge. Uh, which, you know, we both know that they don't, they don't even have the money to sign you know, the line of Messi again. So, yeah, this is the Super League. Like I said, it's just La Forza trying to plot. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of all he can do at this point, too, when you really think about it. Um, what else is he going to do? You know, what else could he do? I mean, if he accepts it, if he accepts that they did any wrongdoing, all he can do is deny it. He doesn't have any proof that he, you know, there's no proof that they didn't do it. There's no, you know, and they're going to say there's no proof they did do it. But you know, I, I'm I'm kind of just waiting till the thing is I don't even think you can prove that they did it other than just the money. And you know, I'm just kind of sitting here like at this point it doesn't even fucking matter. Like it really at the at the end of the day, this doesn't even matter because nothing's gonna happen to them anyway. 
maybe that's a sad thing to say about it, but it's just how I feel. So I read in an article in The Athletic that said Negrera had a payment of, I think it was 50k euros in like 2017, 2018. I'll send you the article. It said that he was paid to scout or do a report on a uh, on games between uh, of the games of the Spanish national team. But the thing is, between that period that he was he was getting paid in, the Spanish national team only played three games and they were friendly. So. There are some, there are some payments that he that they made under you know, for him to do specific jobs that don't make sense and they it just doesn't align with how, with what they're saying that they paid that they paid him that money for you know what I'm saying, so I don't know it's it's like they were laundering money. And it's just it's it's it's, it's actually something crazy how uh, how and and I I I heard also that his son is involved and he was telling them about um, what they need to do to make referees I don't know more comfortable and influence referees on pitch it's fucking insane actually um, honestly all the all they need to do is. Um, just get this, they just need proof that these payments were made on for false reasons, I guess. I don't, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I mean, again, at this point, like, at this point, I really don't even care either. Like, it's just like. You know what I'm saying? Like, to the point where, like, it's just literally whatever happens, happens. If something happens to Barcelona, good. But do I think something's going to happen to them? No. So, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, and that's a shitty place to put it, put it, and shitty way to put it, but it's just kind of the truth in the situation. Anything else you want to talk about? You muted yourself again if you're responding. Uh, yeah, I was just saying, even if La Liga doesn't punish them, if if, if they're proved uh, guilty, if La Liga doesn't punish them, you wait till Will wants punish to punish them, them because of the Super League. Yeah, exactly. So, Did you see the UEFA comment? I mean, what UEFA said? They said, the, the three problem. teams in charge of the Super League... Two of them essentially like did like the criminal actions. I don't know what what they used it. And they said the third one we're still waiting. And I was like, it made me think when they said that. I was like, I wonder if UEFA's behind like behind Juve getting suspended and behind you know the Negreta case coming out because like Barcelona is making it seem like we're the ones that made it come out when we didn't even make a statement on it. We literally kept our mouth shut until they took it to court. Every La Liga team spoke on it but us until it went to court. So, you know, the thing is, is 
maybe UEFA's behind. Maybe UEFA's the one doing all the investigations. Because we know that the, the English team, uh, most of the uh, Italian teams are still involved in this. This is lurking in the shadows until. Uh, we oh, 100%. And the funny thing is, UEFA paid all those teams to drop out. And I'm sure they took the money, ran, and we were just like, nah, we're, we're not frauds. That's one thing I'll give Barcelona, man, is at least they stuck with us. Yeah, I mean, they would need to pay a huge fine to get out of uh, get out of their contract, which they will not do because every single one of these teams know that the Super League project will be a billion times more profitable than the current um, Champions League because UEFA are thieves and they use the image of the teams involved in the Champions League to get the most money possible for themselves. They get the biggest piece of the, piece of the fucking cake when the Champions League is basically the team involved in it. It's not just it's not because it's called the UEFA Champions League. It's not because of the UEFA. It's because of the teams involved. You could take every single team that plays in the Champions League, you can take Bayern Real Madrid, blah 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 and play them in fucking African Champions League or whatever, and you would still have the same number of views. You would still have the same, same excitement. Um, because it, it, because you, you watch Champions League because you want to watch Real Madrid versus Chelsea. You want to watch Champions League versus Bayern. And that's what I tell people. I mean, you you will not get bored if you watch Chelsea and, and if, you go, if you watch Real Madrid and Bayern play, you know, once a month or, or two times a month or once every two months or whatever. If you, if you see them play often, you will not get bored because these types of games are very attacking, very exciting, very very competitive. Um, so And that's what Super League is all, all about. So when UEFA decides to um, put the, these big, big, uh, big clubs together and you know, take all the profit, most of the profits for themselves. I mean, the winners of the Champions League, you know, last year we we won like 130 million, right? That's less than the uh, the team that wins that wins the championship gets for um, uh, going to the prem. Which, it, which for me, it's fucking ridiculous. Honestly, I mean. The prize money, the team that wins the champion, the champions needs to get so much money. Like they, they should get enough money to build another club and another team. Honestly, they should they should get like two hundred million, three hundred million, five hundred million, because it's the toughest and the biggest um, 
tournament that there is, right? So for UEFA to take most of the money on the disgraceful dream. Yeah, I mean, UEFA's been corrupt since day one. That's something we've known for a long time. Um, it was made for the clubs, and then they put a body in there, like a governing body, and then, you know, the clubs are the ones getting screwed, so it doesn't really make a whole ton of sense, but... At the end of the day, can't change it now. Um, anything else you want to touch upon? All right. Oh, we have gone for almost two hours now, and yeah, I mean, two by. Been, I think I've talked. Yeah, about everything. I mean, and I we can meet up and you know not talk La Liga, but talk you know housekeeping and stuff like that, like Real Madrid stuff, whatever you want. Um, if you want to, because we have kind of a like two week break until we play uh, Man City. But I'm gonna do the out. I'm not gonna do the outro for a second time. Just go follow us on TikTok and Twitter. Holla Madrid, not a Moss, and have a wonderful day.